Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. How the hell are you, my friends? This is Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode 19 in recognition of International Women's Day, because it's dropping on Wednesday, March 8th, and that was a happy coincidence because I did not plan it. Way back when, you know, a couple months ago, when I decided to start this podcast and I asked for requests from my audience, like, what what do you want to hear about? And I got a request in from my girl, Luna, Luna Minwi. Luna, girl, am I saying your name poorly? Anyway, I had the sublime pleasure of working with Luna in the Audacity Project last year. And she wrote in uh, as a request. She said, how about smashing the industry patriarchy? And I was like, oh, damn, that's spicy. I love it. So, Luna, this is for you. And happy International Women's Day. And I hope that whatever you're doing, you're having a good time doing it. Now, in regards to smashing the industry patriarchy, insert maniacal laugh. (laughs) Ah, that felt good. But the first thing I want to say is I am not approaching this from anything so basic as a binary us against them, women against men, because that leaves out like the other, you know, so many people uh, who don't exist on that binary and who can exist in... And at any place on that long spectrum of humanity. So this is certainly not uh, a man-hating episode, uh, because I don't hate men. And I also think that uh, the patriarchy is extremely toxic to men as well. So uh, without approaching this from a very binary and divisive uh, standpoint, I think that we open the door to and open the floor, frankly, to a much broader discussion. And also on that note, I am a woman and have all 40 years of lived experience in a female body. So that is the experience that I'm going to be speaking from. Because Does the patriarchy exist? And is it present in the industry of performing arts? You bet your sweet ass it does. And pretty much everyone listening to this already knows this fact. So I am not here to read a laundry list of crimes uh, of the industry patriarchy, because frankly, that doesn't interest me at all. I am a lot more interested in Luna's question about smashing it, or a metaphor that I prefer, which is dissolving it in my own stomach acids. It is my current belief that one of the step one things to do when you're confronted with uh, a system that is oppressive is to subvert that system by first acknowledging and subverting the ways that it has crawled into your skull and made a nice little nest right up in your brain. Because that's part of uh, how insidious oppressive uh, systems are. They get into your body, they get into your brain, and they become part of you. It's internalized. So if we can not only acknowledge, but 
make peace with and then replace the aspects in ourselves that have been put there by internalized patriarchal beliefs, internalized misogyny, internalized uh, all of the isms, then we can begin to become free because we, we have to free ourselves before we can see clearly. So I want to pose a question to you today, which is, do you know what your internalized patriarchal beliefs are? They're, they can be quite invisible, and finding them takes a, a brutal amount of honesty, as well as radical self-compassion. I'll go ahead and give you an example, uh, and I'll be first on the block. Uh, I was doing an exercise from a book a while ago, and I realized to my absolute horror that I had an invisible belief that I could absolutely make money, but I could only make play money because I had an invisible belief from my childhood that daddies make the money. Women can make money, but only, you know, only the men make real money. You can imagine my dismay when I lifted up that rock in my brain and saw that worm squirming around in the dirt. I just wanted to uh, bring that rock back down real fast and smash it. Uh, But you can't smash it. You can't smash out a part of your psychology. You get to sit with it and ask it questions like, where the hell did you come from and who invited you? But I knew exactly where it came from. And honestly, uncovering that was a big aha moment for me because I had been wondering, I was like, I was having success, but I couldn't seem to push back or past a a certain sort of benchmark in how I was able to help provide for my household, even though I have worked basically constantly. uh, And that really helped shed some light on an internalized value system that I did not approve, but that had been operating in the background of my mind and therefore my behavior for many years. And seeing that it was there, although it wasn't a it wasn't a shiny moment, uh, didn't feel proud in that moment, but then this is where that radical self-compassion comes in. Because if you want to subvert an oppressive system, we have to acknowledge the ways in which we have internalized that oppressive system and how it could be operating in the background like invisible code. And like many things that we learn about ourselves that we don't particularly like or feel very proud of, it's not about smashing it out of existence. It's not about uh, burning it in a garbage fire. It's frankly often about just sitting with it and asking it questions and figuring out where it came from uh, and just like giving it a seat at the table. You're like, okay, this is not your table, but tell me what you have what you have to say, listening. So that is my first action item uh, for anyone who feels the sting of an oppressive situation and that you're operating inside of an oppressive system is to find the ways that it has internalized inside of, and hopefully not, but perhaps metastasized inside of your psychology. 
finding the ways that we are complicit in the oppressive system. And it's not an accident. For example, particularly if you've been raised as a female, uh, you're policed. Your behavior, your appearance, all of you is policed as far as I know from the very beginning. And if you didn't have this experience, congratulations, I would like to buy you a cookie or rather you should buy me one. Anyway, I want to flip this on its head a little bit. Um, For example, let's think about uh, a mother raising her daughter and perhaps that mother experienced violence at the hands of men, particularly when she wore a skirt. So she makes good and damn sure that her daughter knows the danger of a skirt. She makes sure to communicate her own fears and to put those fears into her daughter that skirts are dangerous because she experienced violence in that context. And not only did she, but her mother before her and her mother before her and her mother before her. So now we have a generational string of fear that all comes down to the present day daughter who is not allowed to wear skirts because uh, she believes that that will invite violence onto her body. The way that I want to turn this on its head a little bit is by pointing out that what the mother has done to the daughter is an act of love. That policing at its most basic form is an act of love because she wants to spare her daughter the pain of violence. And she saw the correlation between the skirt and the violence. So she made up a rule and drilled that into her daughter. In this case, it was not done out of malice. It was done out of love. If we can take that one example and start to view the ways in which we have been policed in our lives through that lens, we might be able to view them with a little more compassion, which does not mean accepting them. I absolutely do not mean accepting those policings. Is policing a word? I don't know. But no, I I do not mean, and I certainly do not support, accepting uh, the conditions uh, of such rules as law. I only mean that when viewed through this lens, what acts of policing that we have experienced against our bodies, our behavior, our tone of voice, which of those could be perceived through a lens of, was this a misguided act of love and service that is no longer necessary? Because in my mind, the most insidious part of an oppressive system like the patriarchal system that we are absolutely uh, operating in is that when you have been policed both overtly and covertly for such a long time, you don't need anyone to police you anymore. You'll police yourself. When you've been conditioned to behave this way, watch the tone of your voice this way, always say this thing, always accept invisible emotional labor in this way, when that has been drilled into you your entire life from countless different angles, again, both overtly and covertly, 
you don't need anyone to remind you. You're the one doing it at this point. That's why we have to begin with ourselves and digging out all of the ways in which we have internalized and become our own jailers. And when you see it, you can choose something else. It's when it remains invisible that it causes so much harm, that it then gets buried so deep into our psychology that we, we feel it is a belief. It is a law. We can't see past it anymore. It is not your fault that these things uh, were put onto you if they were, but it is our responsibility to heal that for ourselves. And perhaps you have experienced some of these things and been confused by them because maybe you were brought up in a feminist household. Maybe you were brought up in a very progressive home. And you're like, why do I just, why do I feel these like fears and these restrictions when I was always loved and supported and told that I could do, you know, whatever I wanted? And I think the answer to that is that this is not necessarily a personal individual experience. I think that uh, this is frequently generational. And that with radical self-compassion uh, coupled with action, the thing that we're hammering away at uh, and breaking are generational chains. When you see it, you can choose something else because no one can compel a living creature to be complicit in their own dehumanization. I'm going to say that again. You cannot compel a living creature to be complicit in their own dehumanization. But you have to see it before you can choose something else. And then the question comes up, well, th then what do I choose? And the fantastic answer to that question is, whatever the fuck you want. Use your divine agency. Claim your divine autonomy at every possible moment simply for the joy of claiming it in the first place. It doesn't even have to mean anything. You can choose to join this activist group. You can choose to ignore that invitation to the party. You can choose to burn the toast on purpose and then throw it uh, to the mice outside. You get to choose your participation. You get to choose not to participate. You also get to choose to reinvent if you want, or to ignore. None of those are good or bad. It's just what, what do you want to choose because you get to decide. Just like real quick to bounce back to the, like that this is, is often a generational experience, then it's not necessarily just about your own lived experience. You could be carrying some things over from the old ancestral line. Uh, my massage therapist told me a story he read a study that if a cow gets shocked by an electric fence, the next four generations of cows will be afraid of the fence, even if they never even noticed it before that one cow was shocked. I didn't look this story up, so I don't have anything to link it to, but I did think that it was interesting, and uh, he seems to know lots of weird facts, so I wanted to share that with you. I think that acting on your desire and prioritizing uh, 
your peace and your joy is a profound act of protest and rebellion. Your joy is rebellion. I want you to please just sit with the possibility that the most profound act of rebellion you could commit could be the mere fact of your very existence. Getting up on a Saturday morning and eating five bowls of Lucky Charms while watching cartoons when you're 37 and that makes you happy? Profound act of joy and rebellion. Not because it means anything, not because it's productive, it's clearly not, but because that's what you fucking want to do. And if the thing you want to do is get up at dawn and train five days a week for insert thing here, and that brings you joy, do that. You want to own property? Own property. Don't want to own property? Don't fucking own property. You get to choose that now. Do you want to make money? Go make money. You can do that now. You can have a credit card without getting permission from anybody. That was not always true. I'm totally going to space on the name of the book that I'm referencing. I'm so sorry if I think of it all, I'll put it in the show notes. But I was reading a book and they were talking about um, wild strawberries and eating wild strawberries. And like, this is such a gift. You know, like, this is just here. We can step on them and squash them or throw them at each other or eat them or make jelly. And what, like, how do we give thanks for such grace? And the answer to that is you use it. Like the most um, explicit form of gratitude uh, that you can give to a, a fruit tree is to eat the fruit. So eat the fruit. And think about how your great, 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 great grandmother would look on you in all of her past life wisdom and smile at you sitting there in your female body, in your non-binary body, in your trans body, in your queer body, eating the fruit from the tree and just being fucking happy about it because that joy is rebellion. And, you know extra, I want to give a shout out to all of you physical performing artists, you circus artists, you dancers, you aerialists, to choose an unconventional career path like that, which is already under attack uh, from many conceivable angles for the crime of being unusual. And you did it anyway. Go on with your bad self. So I do have an eye on the time, and I know that we're coming up on 20 minutes, which is when I try to start wrapping things up. But I wanted to give you some further reading if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, I have three authors for you. The first is Kasia Urbaniak, uh, who wrote a book called Unbound. Kasia, I think she lives in New York, and I'm going to link this in the show notes. So just pop on over and I'll have a link there for you. Kasha was studying at some point in her life to be a Taoist nun, and she was also a dominatrix. So she has a vast wealth of understanding of, uh, of power and power dynamics and a very beautiful and compassionate style of approaching um, these issues. 
So I'm going to pop that in the show notes. I'm also going to put a plug in here for Adrienne Marie Brown, who wrote Pleasure Activism uh, and whose meme threads I consume on a daily basis on Instagram. Um, I love her. As well as uh, author Sonia Renee Taylor, who wrote and say it along with me, the body is not an apology. Uh, I actually got the workbook version of that book, which I highly recommend. I had to wait a long time for it and it was worth every single day. Highly recommend um, the work of all three of these authors and giving them a follow on Instagrams just to like have that in your feed to feed you. So here's to you and here's to me and here is to your joy and your freedom, both from uh, oppressive outside forces as well as our ubiquitous self-oppression. Happy International Women's Day. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, It means so much to me to have each and every one of you here. Um, The greatest thank you that you could give me would be to share this with someone uh, if you thought they could use it. Go on with your bad selves and go eat the fruit and be happy. Don't go back to sleep.